invite you to remain standing a moment longer as we read this morning's gospel. I'll be reading from the gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 17 through 26. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I read this passage of Scripture from Luke, uh, the passage of Scripture that the lectioner has given us for this week, the gospel reading for this cycle, I was reminded of the young uh, man uh, who has occupied a lot of our attention over the last couple of years, uh, the, the young man who was uh, labeled the uh, affluenza teen, uh, the young man who uh, in his defense uh, in his trial where he had uh, uh, killed several people in a drunk driving incident, uh, where he had his lawyers had claimed his affluence, uh, the the affluence that his family had, and how uh, that station in life that was uh, no fault of his had created this kind of uh, of person who couldn't uh, be sorry for what they had done, uh, was spoiled uh, by the ways of the world, and 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 therefore this uh, person shouldn't uh, be held accountable like so many, uh, certainly in the wake of that many deaths. Uh, so many had sought. So, uh, you know, I, I got to thinking uh, when we talk about affluence uh, and what that means, and, and certainly that young man was a personification of that notion of affluence, but I don't think it stops with that young man. I think that would be dangerous to do such. Uh, but we need to consider uh, in our 21st century kind of culture, especially in this world, uh, if we reflect on all the kinds of comforts uh, that you and I experience and all those kinds of places that can, and I'm not suggesting that those are bad, I'm just suggesting that when they make us so comfortable uh, or make us resistant to considering uh, how that can affect other people, then I think that can be a dangerous notion. I mean, after all, when we look at the kinds of vehicles that we drive, the homes that we live in, 
Uh, oftentimes we have very nice jobs that pay well or, or we've made some really sound financial investments and we're at a really good place in life. Uh, our businesses might be flourishing. The ministries of our church are going well. The, we are feeling good about ourselves. We have this tendency then uh, to kind of forget, I think, about those who are not in such a good place. And so uh, I, I think today's passage of Scripture, uh, this uh, this sermon that Jesus has given us uh, is kind of the flip side, if you will, of what we see on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. More of us, I think, are familiar because we talk about the Beatitudes that come out of the fifth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. We talk in those, uh, those ways uh, that, that spiritually we are being uh, blessed, if you will, in Matthew's Gospel. But here in Luke's telling uh, of, of the sermon... It's a, a, a reality check uh, because these situations that Jesus seems to speak of in Luke are not necessarily spiritual conditions. They are real life conditions. So today, uh, just consider this. Jesus, as it says here at the start of the text, says Jesus came down. So he is, uh, I think that's one of the images that I like when I come down here onto the floor instead of being up in the pulpit. Not that that's the only image that I want to convey when I come down here, but certainly being on a level playing field means I am a part of, of the message that uh, uh, God gives me. It's not just that, that God uses me as a prophetic tool to give you, but I want you to know that I am a part of the same kinds of words of encouragement, hope, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, the woe messages uh, that Jesus brings, I'm a part of that as well, not separated by a, a pulpit that, that uh, disconnects me from you all. But here Jesus has come down, and so in Luke's Gospel, we don't call this the Sermon on the Mount because He's come down into the plain level field that the, that the people are on. This is what is known as the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, the, the other uh, difference between this and Matthew's Gospel I've already alluded to. Uh, in Matthew's Gospel, the Beatitudes, where he, he talks about those who are blessed, it's more of a, a spiritual experience instead of the everyday realities that, that people in our society, in our world, are facing. So Luke speaks of real kinds of conditions that people uh, can be found in. Uh, so... I think let's, uh, let's look at what Luke is saying is more of a literal condition of people, a straightforward kind of take on things, instead of a, a spirituality kind of check that Matthew seems to allude to more. So when, when we hear Jesus say, blessed are the poor, it's not somebody uh, who is poor in spirit. Jesus is literally talking about those who are hungering. Those who hunger, those who are lacking food, those whose uh, stomachs have grown so small uh, by lack of nourishment uh, that, that they are uh, probably hurting as their stomachs are knotted up uh, in, in search of food. When Jesus uh, says, blessed uh, are the hungry, uh, he's not talking about those who, like Matthew is, uh, when, when Jesus is, is talking about people searching for righteousness, these are the, the folks that are hungry uh, because of the lack of food. When Jesus says, blessed are those who, who weep, they are crying real tears. They are not uh, mournful because they realize they need to repent uh, to come back into the fold of God. These are tears often of sadness, 
of sorrow, of separation from people whom they love or care to be around. These are real situations, not just uh, repentant kinds of attitudes that, that Matthew seems to convey in Jesus' message there in Matthew's Gospel. So let's talk for just a second about what it meant to be uh, somebody who was poor in the first century. If you think back to your understandings of the Old Testament, uh, uh, how people often equated people who were poor, uh, people who had a lower station in life, if you will, uh, they, were, uh, they were not seen as people of, of, of righteousness. As a matter of fact, oftentimes they were viewed as uh, poor as a consequence of their sin. In other words, they must have done something wrong or otherwise they wouldn't be poor. That's the easiest kind of, uh, of way of thinking about some of the views of, of poverty in the first century. Uh, and when people do that, uh, they, they, they oftentimes forget uh, about in Deuteronomy, for instance, where, uh, they, uh, where everybody is confronted with the notion of you need to take care of the poor. They just uh, do the half step of it and say, well, they're poor because of their own sin. They need to take care of that. They may be lazy. Uh, they, they may be irresponsible. They won't hold down a job. Therefore, they're poor because of that. And oftentimes, people of faith uh, in those days, and, and even today, I, I suggest, uh, think like that. Uh, they forget about the follow-up that says, now take care of them. And that, that follow-up is to you and you and I. Take care of these people. Don't we want to blame them. We want to, to, to have them fix themselves, but we forget about the command to us to take care of them. And so that's that kind of first uh, century uh, kind of understanding, if you will, of poverty. Uh, so fix yourselves. Uh, you know, don't, don't come to us for help. Take care of this. Uh, repent. Uh, get right with God. Get a job. Get those things. And we hear those kinds of comments even today. So the worldview on poverty hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, you know, the, the Greek word that's used here in Luke's text when he says blessed, uh, if, if I had read some of the other translations of Scripture, uh, I, I read to you the New Revised Standard Version, but other translations of Scripture uh, use the, uh, the word happy. Uh, happy are those. Happy are the hungry. Happy are uh, the poor. Happy are... Uh, and so the Greek word uh, makaros can be translated blessed or happy. And some might say, well, how can you be happy if you suffer in these kinds of conditions? Uh, I'm reminded about Mother Teresa, uh, you know, the, the dear saint that, uh, that's gone on to, uh, to, to great riches now, but she served tirelessly in the slums of Calcutta, helping the poor, helping the sick, people who were dying of disease, uh, people who, who, who were eaten up by all sorts of, of medical conditions, uh, people who had lost hope. And, and somebody said, uh, you know, how, how could Mother Teresa do that day after day? And I think if you translate that word blessed into happy, if you use that, uh, that was Mother Teresa's take on things. She was happy being a part of God's kingdom, especially as it was making a difference in people's lives. Her faith allowed her to live in happiness even when she served in these squalid kinds of conditions with people you and I uh, prefer not to associate with. That's, that's the happiness kind of, of, of blessing that, that Luke is talking about here. We just have trouble getting to that point. We, we have trouble allowing ourselves to live into that kind of understanding. So, in, in Jesus' time, when people are poor, uh, they, they don't have, society doesn't place much value in them. 
Uh, they often thought of the people being lazy, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but, but the law called for people of faith to take care of them. And the law today calls for people of faith to take care of them. But Jesus Himself, the one who has come to fulfill the law, tells us to take care of the poor amongst us. So we're, how do we encourage this kind of change? How, how can we be a part uh, of, a, of a movement to encourage people to move beyond themselves? How, you know, I'm amazed sometimes when I, when I find uh, or hear a story, especially of, of a family that is living uh, in, in what would be uh, utter poverty and how somebody who lives in that condition can be a person of faith, can believe in Jesus, uh, can have hope that someday their plates won't be empty but filled, uh, that someday that the, uh, the veil of sadness that has uh, permeated their life for so long, that that veil can be lifted and replaced with the heart of joy. I, I'm amazed that people can have uh, changing attitudes, especially when they are facing such harsh realities of life. Uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, uh, in his work, The Power of Positive Thinking, uh, he, he talked about uh, uh, this experience that he had. He said, you know, I've been around church people a long time. I've seen people at every level, from, from bishops uh, to, to people who, have, uh, who are pastoring churches to, to people who have been elected as lay people to lead churches uh, lay preachers, he said, I've seen all sorts of church people. And he said, uh, uh, the most optimistic people in the world are Christians. But he said, there's a share of those optimistic people who really aren't optimistic. They think the world is falling in around them, and yet they are representing the love of God in some strange way to other people with this kind of negative notion, this, this lack of hope, this lack of, of belief that God will move us to this greater place in our life and this greater hope. And Norman Vincent Peale said he was talking to a, a pastor of a, a, a church in Britain, uh, and he said uh, this, this minister was talking of this experience. He said, you know, this man would come in, at the, uh, in, in, the, in the narthex or the vestibule there of the church, and he said he would be very quiet. He would stand off. Uh, and when the ushers who were standing around and they're waiting to receive the offering and finish seating people, those, those tasks that our ushers get involved in, he said when they would step into the main part, the sanctuary part of the building, he said this man would go to the door and he would open the door up and just kind of put his ear up to the door so that he could hear what was going on inside the church. You see, he was hesitant to go into the church. Friends, I think what... Dr. Peel heard and saw in that experience was there's some of us that are afraid to go deeper in. We feel more comfortable just opening the door, listening, allowing our heart to have a glimpse of this new kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. We're just not ready to, to move fully into that life in Jesus. Dr. Peel says we gotta we gotta go we gotta go all in. We if if we're going to be the Christians that, that God has called us to be, if we're going to be the followers of Christ that Jesus wants us to be, then we need to go all into this life to be a part of this blessing for others. And then there's that flip side. That's the woes. Again, in Matthew's gospel. 
the Beatitudes, we don't have these woes that we do here in Luke's Gospel. This warning, this, this warning for those who oppose God, this warning for those who might be considered enemies of God, these woes that, that tell us for those who persecute, those who are exploitive, those who reject those who take advantage of, those who chastise the poor, the oppressed, all the people that, that God's blessing is intended to rest upon, we have these woes to tell us your plate may be full today, but you will hunger. You may have the comforts of life today, but if you oppose this Word of God, this love that God has for us, this movement that Christians are called to be on, you will not find comfort. James Moore talked about going to one of the art museums in New York City, and he said when he visited there, there was a, a transportation kind of art exhibit going on. He said there were vehicle artwork, there were roads, there were all sorts of things, artwork being displayed in this museum when he visited. And he said down at the end of this hallway uh, was this very large painting. Uh, and he said... Uh, it was. It drew him in. He said it was almost ethereal. Uh, this kind of experience. He said it was a beautiful kind of road that just went off into the the distance. And the and the name of the artwork was Road to Happiness. And he said while he was standing there looking at this painting, two women walked up, one on each side of him. He said, and he said one woman on his right side said, "Isn't that beautiful?" And the woman on the other side of James Moore said, yeah, but there's no such thing. No such thing, she said. No such road to happiness. And friends, there is a road to happiness. It's the way. It's the way. It's what the followers, the early followers of Jesus were known as. It's the way. It's the, it's the truth. It's the life. It's the coming to know Jesus. It's the stepping into the, to the sanctuary of love, not the physical space but the heart of Christ. That's the way. That's the way we become blessed. That's the way we bless others as we move into this life. I'm so happy that at 8.30 we have this reminder every week, this reminder of, of how much God loves us, this breaking of bread, this sharing of the cup, this opportunity to, to be made new again, to be reminded of, of how God has blessed us and invite us into that blessing of others. And so I hope and I pray this week as you move out into the world, as you uh, go about your normal daily routines, whether it be in the classroom, in the workplace, in the grocery store, on the highways, as you move about Wise County or even into the Metroplex, uh, as you encounter people who need a blessing, be that blessing. Be that love. Be that encouragement so that others might come to know the love that God has for them that they might see in you the willingness to be transformed by the love of God. So let this holy meal this morning be that reminder, be that bookmark in your week's journey, uh, to, to be reminded of how much God loves you and how much God wants you to share that love with other people. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our time